You are listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Don't worry, this is a totally different sermon from this morning. Yeah. (laughs) The beautiful thing about using our own version of the lectionary is that sometimes it gets off. So they got a beautiful sermon about all we should do is believe, and you all get a sermon about how I can't believe. So here we go. (laughs) Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So... New things have showed up in my household, which my dogs love, but these are not dog toys. These are toys for me. Um, I recently got an ADHD diagnosis. You know, after 27 years, they're finally going to be like, yeah, we need to help you through life. Thank you. It's not 27 years too late. It has been giving me a new framework for looking back at my life. One phrase I would always love to say in my ADHD brain, it's so true. Out of sight, out of mind. Or the equivalent would be seeing is believing. So my house needs to be messy because in my brain, I know exactly where everything is. And if someone were to clean my house, if I were to clean my house and put everything back in whatever normal people deem as a normal spot, right? Put things back where you found them. I would have no idea and it would take me a year to find it. In my brain, out of sight, out of mind. This lack of belief has me in a position like Nicodemus, who also struggles to believe. You know I'm going to put this in context. Do you know that who is exchanging this with Jesus is Nicodemus? Have we heard of him before? Good. We meet Nicodemus for this first time in John's gospel in a moment of crisis. He is someone who is struggling to find out his place as a religious authority of the Jewish people, but also one who feels a deep longing for this way of Jesus that he keeps on hearing about. Nicodemus is not part of the synoptic gospels. His story is only found here in John's gospel. His story culminates in one of the most memorized and known by heart verses in the Bible. We just said it, John 3.16. But I have a question. Why Nicodemus? Nicodemus is often judged and not seen as a real follower of Jesus because he does not give up everything to become a disciple nor does he fully understand who Jesus is and his relationship with God. Regardless of what others say about him, even in his lack of belief, Nicodemus' ability to show up in the midst of his crisis takes great vulnerability and courage. The community John is writing for also knows something about crisis. The Johannine community is a group of followers of Judaism who are also compelled to follow in this way of Jesus. John takes time and attention to communicate how Jesus is fully human and divine and that salvation is through Jesus. 
this crisis of faith further intensifies when this community is expelled from their synagogues for making the decision to follow Jesus. Crisis leads that community and Nicodemus to wonder, how can these things be? I cannot help but have a lot of empathy and respect for us who dare to show up in our crisis, even in our disbelief and when our world is turned upside down. Nicodemus wants to believe. He wants to see it. He wants it in his hands. He wants to touch it. He wants to capture it. He desperately wants to believe. And he is also getting sick and tired of believing. According to the prophet Cher, Jesus asks Nicodemus, a man who is, supposed, who is supposed to know it all and believe in it all, do you believe in life after love? Nicodemus can't wrap his head around a love that leads to life. And neither can I. When I thought about it this week, I realized that in this current season of my life, I am filled with a lot more disbelief than actual belief. For nearly all of my life, I believed that what happened in my past could never be healed. I believed that the trauma dictated my future. And during my bodily transformation, you may have even heard me say this, I have to pinch myself because I don't believe it. Or, I won't love my body, I won't believe it until I see it, until I see it with all the excess skin cut off. And I have heard from many of you that life seems unbelievable. I don't believe that this pandemic might actually be coming to an end. I don't believe that wars will cease and peace will reign. I don't believe that God's kingdom can become manifest here on earth. I don't believe we can actually heal our minds and our bodies. At the same time, there are things that we do believe that maybe we should not believe. We believe that we are not enough. We believe so wholeheartedly that we are unlovable, unfixable. We believe that our worth is tied up in what we produce. Like Nicodemus, we think we have to believe in love to know it exists. We have to see it in front of us to know it exists. We have to understand it to know it exists. But now, seemingly overnight or the course of a year or so, I am automatically expected to believe that things are okay, things are better, that my trauma does not actually dictate my future. I don't understand it. I can't see it in front of me. And certainly, I don't understand it. While Nicodemus, you and I, list out all the things we cannot possibly believe right now, we show up in our crisis and confess to God, we don't believe. So when I strolled up for my therapy session this week, I was filled with disbelief. I was convinced that nothing, not even therapy and good medications, could make me believe in my worth or that I deserve love. 
The course of my treatment plan involves something called EMDR. That stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Isn't that a mouthful? I want you to imagine this. So there's three ways that you can enter an EMDR process of re, literally rewiring your brain. One is through touch. Feel, go ahead and cross your arms in front of you and tap on your left and then your right and go back and forth. Beautiful, that's tactile. Now, I want you to snap in one ear and then snap in the other and go back and forth. And now look up here and follow my fingers. Yeah, I see those eyes moving. <laughs> I think it's a bunch of voodoo bullshit, but <laughs> it is unbelievable. <laughs> what I hate <laughs> is that every traumatic event um, is issued a new round of EMDR. So you have one situation that you want to reprocess in your brain, and that one memory is going to take at least five to six sessions. The thing I hate is that you can't move on until you fully believe the positive messages about yourself. I don't like that. I'm okay with getting a little bit closer, but to actually be healed, I don't know. Basically, my brain and body are believing what it sees in my mind, which is trauma. And through EMDR therapy, I am learning to believe what I thought could never be believed, that I am loved. On a scale from one to ten, not a three, a one. That I am safe, that I am enough, that I am strong. Countless hours of hearing finger snaps in one ear and then the other, having headaches that last two days, feeling like your brain is working on overdrive and my eyes are darting back and forth like T when she is having a puppy dream. And all that, <laughs> just to move one tiny step closer to actually believing the positive about me in that particular memory. After all, it did take Nicodemus various times to move towards belief in life after love. One gem, don't tell my therapist, from EMDR therapy is that to heal the mind, the answer lies in the body. Rewiring our brain demands that we rewire our body. One of the moments that chokes me up during liturgy is when our little ones come forward for Eucharist. If you notice closely, before they even receive bread, their hands are fully extended. There is nothing more than a little shyness and a lot of joy on their faces, 
Their bodies are lured to bread and juice, the body and blood of Christ. The church and world would want us to wait until First Communion, until our kids can fully understand the significance of the sacrament. Bullshit. In fact, in all of our iterations of I don't believe, our little ones come running up to a meal that tastes of freedom. Their anticipation and joy scream, I believe, I believe, I believe. Their bodies believe well before our old minds can come to believe. Their bodies believe in a love so great and powerful that it can wrench hope out of fear and freedom out of control. Their bodies believe in a future where love transforms them. Their bodies believe that their minds are being changed into that of Christ. Their bodies believe that when in doubt, do what comes naturally. Stick out your hands with a smile on your face and enjoy that oversized piece of bread and a shot of white grape juice. Even when they cannot verbalize, I believe, their bodies scream it. When we feel like our belief is out of sight and out of mind, when we feel like we cannot possibly believe these things, Come to this table like our little ones. Go back into your humanness. Put bread and juice into your body and nourish the love and life God has planted so deep in your core since the foundations of the world. Something I can barely believe. Something Nicodemus can barely believe. How can these things May each breath, each flex of your muscle, each beat of your heart confidently whisper, I believe. Christ knows that we will get through this, and our bodies know that we are strong. Believe in its wisdom. Believe what your body already knows. You are loved. You are safe. You are enough. And if you don't believe it, have some bread and juice. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org/giving.